Hey, who's excited for part four of our series, Supernatural? Come on now. I cannot wait to get into this. Uh, we have been, over the last few weeks, talking about the supernatural power of God and, and the Holy Spirit. And that that word supernatural is the word that God has given me for our church for this year. And we're going to be in the book of Acts for the entire year as we walk through this. And man, it's, it's been powerful so far in just believing for uh, God to do what he said that he would do, right? We talked about the promise of the Holy Spirit. In the book of Joel, it says, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And then it, John the Baptist promises the Holy Spirit. I baptize with water, but there's one coming that I'm not even worthy to untie his sandals, right? Like I can't even do that. Jesus promises the Holy Spirit and says to wait for the Holy Spirit. But then last week we talked about what? The power of the Holy Spirit. Come on now. What's the purpose of the Holy Spirit? To give you power. Amen? Not just so that you can uh, be living in defeat. Not so that you're just living in, in this defeated mindset, right? And doing things in your own power. But we need the power of a supernatural God working in us and through us. Amen? Come on now. That's what we need in order to accomplish the things God has for us. And so he said to wait for it. So I want to bring a message to you today. Uh, it's titled, Push, Pray Until Something Happens. Come on, I need somebody to say, push. push. All right, every once in a while, okay, I'm going to say, we got to push. And when I say we got to push, I need all y'all to just yell back at me, push, as loud as you can, all right? You're going to wake somebody up next to you. It's going to be great, okay? So I say, we got to push. You got it. All right, that's pretty good. That's pretty good, 10 a.m. Okay, cool. Hey, so we're going to pray until something happens. That's a pretty good acronym, I think. If you need that, actually, it's so good that Pastor Tim actually found his, his, his shirt. It says push right here, and then it says pray until something happens on the back. He wore it just for today so that he could support the message. Come on, what God wants to do. So this is what Jesus tells the disciples to do in Acts chapter 1. It says, on one occasion while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you've heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So Jesus asks his disciples to go into all the world and preach the gospel. He says, go out and tell everybody about what you have seen. Tell everybody about what you have heard. Tell everybody about me and my father and the kingdom of God being here. But he says, before you go, you got to wait, which seems kind of weird. He's telling him, hey, go out and do this. Go out and, and be the, the, the light of the world and go tell and preach the gospel and baptize people. But before you do all this great stuff, sit here and do nothing, right? <laughs> like, that's what it probably felt like to them anyway. He says, wait for it. Wait for the Holy Spirit. You need the Holy Spirit. And we talked about that a few weeks ago as well. Jesus said, it's better that I leave and a lot of us would probably say, I don't know about that, Jesus. It's probably not a good idea for you to leave. But he says, it's better that I go so that the Holy Spirit can come. Because if I don't leave, then the Holy Spirit, he can't come. And you need the Holy Spirit. This is an important thing for you to have. He is an important part of your life. I, I can't wait for you to meet him. I can't wait for you to be uh, led by the Holy Spirit. And Jesus knows. He knows that this is going to be good for them. So he says, wait. Pray until something happens. Man, this is what I feel like he was T telling them to do, teaching them to do in this moment. And Acts 2 is where we finally get to the day of Pentecost, okay? The day of Pentecost. And now 
what's great about the book of Acts, it, it's kind of like the beginning of the story. Acts chapter 1 and 2, is already, you've already hit the top. Like, you've already hit the climax of the entire story, okay? You know, in a book, you have, like, the intro, and eventually you kind of get to this climax of the book where this big, you know, thing happens or whatever, and then you got to figure out the resolution after that. Well, it starts immediately. It's like Acts 1 and 2, you're already there. And then the rest of the book is just the Holy Spirit working through the apostles and working through the early church, and you're getting to see what God does. So we're already here. Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, it says, When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. So, Pentecost, you're like, what does that mean? Okay, all right, Pentecost is a important day in the Jewish calendar and Jewish history, and we're not really going to get too much into that today. But what I need you to know for the purposes of today's message anyway is that Pentecost, penta means 50, okay? Now, what do we know? Jesus rose on Passover, and then it says he was with his disciples and with people. He appeared to many different people over the course of 40 days. So after he raised again, he was still around for 40 days. A lot of people don't remember this or, or can see this in their Bibles. Like he was around for a long time after he was raised again from the dead before he went back to the Father. It says he was there for 40 days after the day of Passover. But then the day of Pentecost comes, and that means 50. So there's 40 and then 50. So what does that mean? On the last day, he said, don't go anywhere. Stay in Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit comes. So that means then for the next 10 days, the disciples, and it says there's 120, gathered in the upper room and gathered together and prayed for the gift of the Holy Spirit. For 10 days, they persistently prayed, consistently met together, did exactly what Jesus said. They were there for 10 days in the upper room, which there's probably, I would say, maybe about 140 adults in this room right now. By the way, come to 8.30 or 11.30 <laughs> if, you don't like to, if you don't like to be uh, shoulder to shoulder with people and sit on the back when you come in late. Come on now, uh, 8.30, 11.30 has got a lot of room for you, okay? So uh, we'll talk about that in a minute, but, but there's probably about 140 people in here right now, okay? And they prayed for 10 days straight with 120 people in one stanky room, that's probably not a great smelling room with all them dudes in there. Okay, you got to imagine this is like ancient times, okay? Like this is not walking in, they all just took a shower. You know what I'm saying? This is not how it worked, okay? 120 people, there's kids all over the place. There's people all over the place. And it's probably a room much smaller than this, if we're being honest. And they all met together for 10 days straight. And the question I have for you today is simply this. Have you ever prayed for anything for 10 days straight? Right? I think it's a valid question to ask. It was very, very important to them, this gift and what Jesus told them to do. And, and he said, this is so extremely important. I need you to wait until you receive the Holy Spirit. They understood the importance of this. But have you ever prayed for anything for 10 days straight? Maybe you prayed students to get a good grade on a test or uh, in your master's program or your doctor on an exam that you have or whatever it might be. Um, I've prayed on multiple occasions for 10 days straight for the Cowboys to make the Super Bowl, and the Lord has not answered that prayer as of yet. I just need to 
persevere in prayer, you know, for that one. So, yeah, I got to, we got to push. There it is. <laughs> you know, that's what they'd be saying on the O-line. They're like, come on, guys, push. And it's like, we don't got enough. Anyway, oh, it's awful. It's awful. Oh, Lord Jesus. Back to this. Maybe you've prayed for something serious for 10 days straight. I don't know. For, uh, you have a family member that has cancer. Have you prayed for them, you know, persistently and, and for 10 days straight, really just called out to God for their healing. And maybe you've, um, maybe you have a, a child that doesn't believe in God or, or a family member or a coworker that you've been praying for. Have you prayed for them for 10 days straight that they would find and follow Jesus? Maybe you lost a job or whatever it is. I, I don't know what that, is, what that is for you, but I'm just asking, when's the last time that you cried out to God for something that was important to you? And Jesus said, hey, this is important for us to cry out to God for. This is an important thing that you need to ask God for. But most of us, if we're being real, wouldn't pray 10 days in a row, all day long, pretty much every day for much of anything. And yet, much less with 120 people in that stinky room. You know what I'm talking about? Like, that would be tough, okay? And yet, this is what they did. And I think you have to ask yourself and think about, you would only pray that long and that hard with that many people for something that really, really mattered, that was really important. And so you have to ask yourself the question, do I really want this? You know, do I really want more of God in my life? Do I really want the Holy Spirit's empowerment in my life to move and, and the baptism of the Holy Spirit to give me the boldness to witness to people and to see God work signs, wonders, and miracles in me and through me and my family in my church? Like, do we really want this thing? And we talked about that last week that it's a gift. Like God gives this gift to all of us freely and yet he can't open it for you. <laughs> this is something that you have to do for yourself. I used the illustration last week of that. Uh, um, uh, it was at Christmas time and maybe there's a present that your kid opens and they open the first present and then they just like forget about all the other presents because they love the one that they have right now. Like that's our salvation and playing with this little toy car. Like this is an amazing Hot Wheels and yet God has like the big old electric, you know, toy car, the big old package with your name on it. But we're so focused on the, the little Hot Wheels of salvation that we forget about the Holy Spirit over here that is literally electric powered, ready to drive us around and do all the things we need to, you know what I'm saying? We forget about this gift. You can't, God can't open it for you. You have to do that for yourself. So you have to ask yourself the question, do I really want this? And we talked about that last week. But if you understand what this gift means for you, to be honest, I don't understand why people would not want to open that gift. Let me read you a few verses and tell you about the Holy Spirit. John 14, 12. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these. You might say to yourself, greater things than Jesus? Absolutely. It's in the New Testament. I've heard incredible stories of things that have happened in people's lives and miracles that have happened in people's lives that we at least don't have recorded Jesus doing. It's amazing. The apostles, that so many cool things. John 14, 15 through 17. If you love me, keep my commands. I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. He's an advocate, right? It says the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him. For he lives with you and will be in you. John 14, 26, the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. So he's also a teacher. He'll remind you of things. He'll bring things back to memory, Bible verses and uh, things that God has spoken to you in the past, promises that he's given you. Come on now. 
And then in Acts 1.8, it says it right here. Come on, we've been talking about this the whole series. But you will receive power. Somebody say power. power. When the Holy Spirit comes on you. Come on now. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So would you pray for 10 days if I told you it would mean that you could understand your Bible better through the Holy Spirit? Oh, my goodness. There are times when I read my Bible and it just pops off of the page because the Holy Spirit is speaking to me at that moment. And I'm so glad that I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. And I'm able to read God's word in, in this individualized way. And sometimes he speaks to me through God's word for you and for other people. It's incredible. Would you pray for 10 days? If I told you it mean you could be a better parent and a better spouse. Would you do that? Man, I would. If it meant that you could become more like Jesus in your everyday life. If it meant that you could boldly share your faith with a coworker, a friend, or a family member. Would you pray for 10 days if I told you it would mean you could pray for the sick and see them be healed in Jesus' name? Come on now. That you could move in the prophetic dreams and visions and signs and just these amazing things that we see 2,000 years ago, but we don't believe is for us today. But what if I told you if you prayed for 10 days and you pray for the baptism of the Holy Spirit that you could move in these things as well? What about... If you could cast out demons and see deliverance, that blind eyes are open, that deaf ears could hear, would you pray for 10 days for a family member to meet Jesus? And ultimately, this is what they were doing. They didn't know that they were praying for this, but that's what they were praying for. The disciples had no clue what was about to happen. They just knew that Jesus told them to wait and to pray. My question here today is what if 120 people, let's say 140 people, right? The upper room says about 120. Let's just, this is about the same group of people, okay? What if the 10 a.m. service at Radical Church, come on now, 140 people up in this room right now became set on fire for Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit? What would happen? You realize that 120 people started the revolution of grace, started Jesus, like shared the gospel, and now billions of people follow Jesus because of 120 people that waited for the Holy Spirit and prayed for the baptism of the Holy Spirit, were then empowered by the Holy Spirit, and then went out and told people about Jesus. So what would happen? It seems like well, there's no way that, that just this group right here could go out and change the world. Absolutely you can. Absolutely. Because it's been done before. And God said that we would do greater things. Come on now. We got 140. They only had 120. So <laughs> I think we could change Hayes County for Jesus. What do you think? I think Kyle, Buda, San Marcos, Wimberley. Come on, Dripping Springs, New Braunfels. They need Jesus. Come on, somebody. We got some people that live down there. So that's why I'm making fun of them right now. But. I think we could see God do some powerful, powerful things. And a point I have for you today is there's power in unity. There's power in unity. When a group gets together and prays, oh, man, things change. You believe that? Uh, you could pray on your own, and that's great, but there's something about getting together with a group of people and just this corporate unity. I believe truly that there is power in unity. And so let's get together and let's pray over one thing. Here's the problem, though. The, the disciples, they argued a whole lot. Did y'all know that? They, are, they argued a whole lot. And they were just this ragtag group of dudes. You got to remember, most of them were like college-age guys. They're like late high school, early 20s dudes. 
I've done a lot of ministry in my life. I did middle school ministry, high school, and college, and adults now. I've done it all. You know where the most drama came from of all of the ministry I've ever done? The college ministry, the young adults ministry. Middle schoolers, honestly, they're, uh, they're just weird, okay? All right? Middle schoolers are weird. Um, high schoolers, they just don't show up. They just think they're too cool for everything. You know, high school is like, I don't need this, whatever. Like, I'm too cool. They think they're too cool for school. Middle schoolers are weird. High schoolers don't show up. All the college kids show up because they all want to hang out. Why? Because they just want to date each other, okay? Like, they're just trying to find their person and get a ring by spring. You know, that's what they're trying to do. You know how much drama is in college ministry? It is wild. How many conversations did you and I sit on the couch with some college girl or college dude where they're just crying their eyes out? They don't even love me anymore. And I'm just like, you don't even know how to love yourself right now, okay? Like, you got to figure yourself out first. Oh, my, so much drama. They said this, they did that. Now, imagine 12 dudes in that age range like this thing it's like a football team of of macho dudes okay and they all think that they're the best it even says in Luke 22 that they were arguing over which disciple would eventually become the greatest right they're arguing with one another and Jesus has to humble them real quick that's when he starts telling them about the first shall be last the last shall be first like we didn't come you know to be served but to serve other people hey guys like why don't you get your minds right and stop worrying about yourself and start worrying about other people but you got to think these are 12 dudes and, and they just have they, they argued a lot and they they didn't all agree on everything you think they were all the best of friends come on guys for real i've been in locker rooms before okay like i've been on sports teams and football teams with a bunch of guys that's not how it is and so they're arguing they got trouble sometimes, but they're all on the same mission for the most part. But I would like to submit to you today, for real. I believe truly when these guys got in the upper room with the 120, when Jesus said, you need to pray for the Holy Spirit to come, you need to wait in Jerusalem, wait, don't do anything until he comes. I believe that there was such unity that was in that group. They had their families they had other disciples and people that had followed Jesus come in with them, and they were all in this room. They're all praying together. They put aside all of their differences, all of the problems that they had, all of the offense that they had with one another, and they said, we are going to pray in unity for one thing, and that is for the power of God and the Holy Spirit to come so that we will be empowered to go out and change the world for Jesus Christ. They put aside everything else so that they could accomplish the goal. That's what they did, and it certainly happened. They were all in one accord is what the Bible says. They were unified around one thing. They didn't know what was going to happen. They just knew that Jesus told them to wait and that they would know when they had received this gift and when it was time to go. And Paul said, let there be no divisions among you. This is 1 Corinthians. He said, I don't want any division among you. I want you to be in one mind, one spirit. The word he uses is one accord. I just want you to be together on this thing, living in unity, going towards one purpose. And I really believe that there is so much power when a church can come together and say, we are praying for this. We are believing for this one thing. And our word for this year is supernatural. And so I believe our purpose right now that I am calling us as a church to pray for is for God to move in powerful, powerful ways. I believe that God is calling us to, uh, to see God move in, in mighty ways through the power of the Holy Spirit in us 
and through us. So I want to get in one accord. We just sang this song, God of Revival. Like, God, would you bring revival to Hayes County? Guys, can we pray for revival for Kyle and Buda San Marcos, for Hayes County, for Austin, for San Antonio? Man, I want it to start right here with this group of people. It can start in another church, and that's fine. But why not here? Why not you? Why not me? Like, let's let it be with us. Just like Isaiah said, here am I, God. Send me. Man, I want to be used by God. I want him to use me. He can use other people, and that's fine. But, man, I want to be in the game. I don't want to be on the sidelines. Uh-uh. Come on now. I'm going to pray for souls to be saved, for hope for the hurting, for freedom for the captives, people that are bound by sin, bound by darkness to be set free, for chains to be broken in the name of Jesus Christ. How do we do that when we get together and we pray and we're empowered by the Holy Spirit? Amen? Amen. So how do we do that? How do we get in one accord together? Man, we got to recognize that the Holy Spirit is for all. The Holy Spirit is for all, for everybody, for you, for me. It's not just 2,000 years ago thing. No, it's a today thing. God is still moving. God is still speaking. He's still working miracles. And I have story after story after story that I could tell you that that is the truth and that is the case. And we'll get to a bunch of those. I promise. I keep saying that. But the Holy Spirit's for all. It's not about Pentecostal versus Catholic versus Lutheran, versus non-denominational, which is like a denomination, but they want to make, anyway, we can talk about that. Listen, I went to a, I went to a Lutheran high school and then a charismatic Pentecostal church at the same time. Now, that was very confusing for 16-year-old Trevor, okay? Very confusing, Lutheran school, that's where all my friends went. It was a great school. But I, I, was, I didn't fit in on either side, if I can just be real with you. Because on the charismatic Pentecostal side, um, this is like the church where everybody's rolling around on the ground. Like I'm talking like Pentecostal, okay? You know what I'm saying? And, and so I was like the conservative one there. I was a conservative one. But then on the other side at the Lutheran church, I played a little bit of my acoustic guitar for chapel. And it's like, wow, heretic. He's a heretic. He hates God. He plays guitar in chapels. You know what I mean? And I, so I was so confused. And I'm just like, you know what? Like, I'm just trying to serve God. Like, I just want to read my Bible and just do what God says. And we're so worried about all these divisions in the church and all these different things. I don't care if you grew up Catholic, which many of you did. I don't care if you grew up Pentecostal or anything in between. Let me tell you right now, the Holy Spirit is for you. And he wants to empower you to live the life that he wants you to live, to be a bold witness for Jesus and to see God do miraculous signs and wonders in your life. Can somebody say amen? It's not about your denomination. It's about Jesus. Come on now. Let's live in unity together. It's not about your personality either. A lot of people think, well, the extroverted people can tell everybody about Jesus. Let's just leave it to them. Peter was obviously one of those. Peter, why don't you just go tell everybody? And then there's like Thaddeus off in the corner, you know, like you never hear about Thaddeus. So like, what is he even doing? You know what I mean? Like, it's how it feels sometimes. Some of the disciples, you don't really hear a whole lot about them, okay? And that's how I feel like sometimes maybe we think in the church, let's leave it to the pastors or, or let's leave it to the extroverted people. They can go tell everybody about Jesus. Last time I checked, the Great Commission didn't say, go into all the world and tell people about me only if you're extroverted. If you're introverted, don't worry about it. You're exempt. <laughs> that's not what it says. 
You are just as much a part of the army of God as anybody else, as me or any of your extroverted friends, okay? Like, man, so for me, it comes naturally. I get that, okay? It's easy for me to tell people about Jesus. It's easy for me to share my faith or to talk to people about God and what he's done in my life. And you might be somebody who are like, well, that's just not really me. Like, I'm, I have social anxiety, and I have this, and I have the other. Let me tell you, it's still for you, okay? Here's the deal. You, have, you might be better at the, at the one-on-ones. You might be better just sitting and having coffee with somebody than I am. I could get up in front of a room of thousands. No big deal. But there's some of you that you have the ability to just sit with one or two people. Oh, my goodness. And you can just love on them, disciple them. You could tell them about Jesus. You have that intimate connection with these people that is hard for me to do. That's why we're the body of Christ. We all need each other, right? So let me tell you, we're all, none of us are exempt from the Great Commission. We are all about telling people about Jesus. The Holy Spirit is for you. And it's also not about your role. It's not about pastor versus parishioner, okay? A lot of people, they just, they think that it's my job to get everybody saved, right? It's like, you don't see that anywhere in Scripture, All that the apostles and the disciples did is they just empowered other people. They empowered the local body of believers. They empowered people just like you to go tell others about their faith. They gave, they just infused faith into them. They infused life into them. They encouraged them. And then they sent them out to go be light in a dark world, wherever that is for you, at your workplace, at your school, uh, at, at Walmart and Target, wherever you shop, man, you could be a light for Jesus. Amen? It's not about just me getting everybody saved. You know what I mean? That's not what this is about. One of my favorite things is when people bring in somebody to church and they say, hey, I want to introduce you to my friend. This is so-and-so. I met him at work, and I've been talking to them. I've been praying with them, and I shared my faith with them. They weren't even a believer, you know, two or three months ago. But now they, they just accepted Jesus, and now I'm bringing them in. I invited them to come to church to hang out and worship with me. That's amazing, right? Incredible. I love hearing stories like that. And it's because it's not just about me. It's, it's like we're all in God's army together. We are all helping people find and follow Jesus. And I love that because he's given every single one of us the opportunity to be a part of his plan for salvation. Like, you're a part of it. That's pretty cool. It's the ministry of reconciliation is what it's called, bringing people to Jesus, bringing people to Christ. One of my favorite things that I see, I, I didn't even have this in my notes, but my, it, it's incredible seeing uh, middle, school, middle school kids telling their friends about Jesus that friend come into the youth group on a Wednesday night. They come for a few weeks. They get saved. They're putting their drugs down at the altar right here. They're getting in community with other middle school kids and high school kids. And then you'll see a sister come. You'll see the mom come. Eventually the dad comes. And now the whole family is finding and following Jesus. How did it start? with one middle school kid that was empowered and led by the Holy Spirit to tell their friend about Jesus. And I'm gonna be honest with you, I said this in first service, this is not in my notes, but I'm gonna be straight up with y'all. There are some of our middle school kids that have more of the Holy Spirit than some of us. I'm not even gonna lie. I'll let that one sit for a second. It's incredible seeing what's happening in our youth group. What if we as adults had the same boldness as some of our middle schoolers 
to go and they go into their schools and they tell it's they tell people about Jesus and they have like no fear. <laughs> you know how they have no fear? Because they are empowered by the whole, they are filled with the Holy Spirit. I will tell you what, it is incredible. They have no fear. You know who also had no fear? The disciples, the apostles. They had no fear. That's what the Holy Spirit does for you. He emboldens you and empowers you to be a witness even unto death. They all died for their faith. All of them, every single one of them. And if you asked them if they would do it again, they'd all say yes. Why? Because they believed in Jesus. They believed in what he was doing. And they knew he was true. They knew he was the son of God. And they wanted to tell every single person about the hope and the life that they had found in Jesus. So it's for all. Mark 16 17 through 18 says, these signs will accompany those who believe in my name. They will drive out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up snakes with their hands. And when they drink deadly poison, it will not hurt them at all. Don't bring a snake in a church. If you do, I will kick you out. All right, here we go. <laughs> they will place hands on sick people and they will get, well, I just had to clarify that, okay, for everybody. Just don't get any ideas. So listen, it's for everyone. It's for everyone who believes. These are the signs that follow people that believe. Luke 11, this is a great passage. It's a long one, but I'm gonna read it to you because it's so good. It says, Jesus said to them, suppose you have a friend and you go to him at midnight and say, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I have no food to offer him. Suppose the one inside answers, don't bother me. The door's already locked and my children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. To which now as a dad of two kids, I say, amen. Please leave me alone. It's 8 p.m. I'm asleep. <laughs> I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely give up and give you as much as you need. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds. To the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then know, though you are evil, Know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? What do I learn from this? Is that waiting is not passive, it's active. When Jesus told the disciples to wait for the Holy Spirit, you know what they easily could have done? They could have just sat down right on their hands and just waited. Well, he said to wait. I guess we better wait for the Holy Spirit. But that's not what they did. They got together with 120 people in a small room and prayed consistently and prayed hard for the gift of the Holy Spirit to come. It was not a passive thing that they did. They were actively waiting. It's a difference. Passively waiting is one thing. No, no, no. We're actively waiting. And I believe God has just put this on my heart so recently to just ask, like you gotta ask. It says, ask and you shall receive. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open. If you're not knocking, the door's not getting open, y'all. If you're not seeking, why would you find? If you're not asking, you're not gonna receive. And this is just like a basic principle that we find here in scripture that there are some things that God will only do through persistent prayer. There are some things that only change in the spirit realm. And we know that there is a spirit realm and there's a physical realm, what we can see and what we cannot see. The seen and the unseen, right? This is what we believe. And this is what we see throughout scripture, okay? Here's an example. The disciples were trying to cast out a demon. They couldn't do it. They're so frustrated. 
They're like, I have done this time and time and time again. I've cast out demons before. Why can we not cast this demon out right now? I do not understand what's going on here. And so Jesus comes and he eventually says, oh, well, the reason why you can't do this is because this kind only comes out by prayer. Some translations also say and fasting. It says this kind can only come out by prayer. Now, am I going to try to understand the spiritual realm, the demonic, and the spiritual realm of like why this type or kind of demon can only come out by prayer? I'm not going to try to figure that out. But what's the principle that I can pull from this? Is that in the spiritual realm, there are some things that will only happen through prayer. That's the principle I could pull out from that. I don't understand it. But what I know and what I see here is that there are some things that will only happen when I'm consistently praying, when I'm consistently filled with the Holy Spirit in my life. And if I don't have this consistent connection with God through prayer and through fasting, I'm not going to be able to do the things that God has called me to do. I'm not going to be able to see the miracles that God wants to work in my life. And so I need to stay connected to the Holy Spirit through prayer. It's not a passive waiting, it's active. I think, at what point did it get awkward in the upper room? I like to just think about these kinds of things. On what day would you have been like, do we gotta keep praying? (laughs) It's been a week. I just have this picture in my head of a disciple coming up to Peter. He's like, hey, uh, Peter, um, this is Thaddeus speaking, (laughs) okay? I'm picking on Thaddeus today. What did he do, you know? <laughs> hey, uh, Peter, we've been praying for seven days now, and um, do you think we need to keep praying? Like, can we go ahead and go and start telling people about Jesus? Like, we've just seen the most incredible things, and it, it's got to be time, right? You know, I mean, you think we've received, we've received the Holy Spirit now, right? By this point, you think we have? Do we need to keep praying? And I just have this picture in my head of Peter standing there and talking and pulling him to the side and saying, no, keep praying. Well, no, come on, let's pray. Let's believe, let's wait. But it's not a wait of just sitting back and doing nothing. It's a wait of like, hey, let's pray. Let's believe for God. Let's press in. Let's not pull back, but let's go harder for after God. Until God moves, we got to pray until something happens. Guys, what do we got to do? We got to push. There it is. You got it. The person next to you that was asleep just woke up. Praise God. We got to push. And I believe that the Holy Spirit is released through the persistent prayer of waiting believers. I really do. The Holy Spirit is released through the persistent prayer of waiting believers. Don't stop. Don't stop praying. Don't stop asking. Don't stop knocking. Don't stop seeking. That person that is far away from God that you've been praying for and you've been believing for and you've been praying for and you've been believing for and it's been years and you're like, I don't know if they're ever going to come back to Jesus. I don't know if they're ever going to find Jesus. Don't stop. That healing that you need in your life or in somebody's life that's close to you, man, you've given up on praying for them. And let me tell you, you need to get full of the Holy Spirit today and you need to keep praying. Amen. Don't stop. Don't stop seeking. What if they would have stopped on day eight? What if they would have stopped on day six or day nine? And yet they persistently prayed and they went through it. And let me tell you, on the other side of your prayer and fasting, 
on the other side of your asking and the other side of your waiting, I believe are signs, wonders, and miracles in your life. God wants to do a powerful, powerful move in your life, and you will see God do incredible things. And it's just on the other side of your asking. It's on the other side of your waiting, on the other side of your knocking. He wants to fling that door wide open for you. It says in the Bible that our God gives good gifts to his children. Amen. He doesn't give you bad gifts. The Holy Spirit is a great gift, and it is for you. It is for all of us, and we need the Holy Spirit to empower us to do what God's called us to do. And so uh, I'm actually going through, uh, starting today, I don't know what it's going to look like just yet, but I am going to be doing 10 days of prayer and fasting. We did this once before. It's, it's, it's just in accordance with the 10 days of prayer that the people had in the upper room. And I know we just got out of 21 days of prayer and fasting, okay? This is for me. You can join me if you want to. But have you prayed 10 days for the Holy Spirit to come? If not, join me. Come on now. I want to be refilled with the Holy Spirit. I don't want to just get filled one time and live off the experience and live off the bread that I ate 10 or 15 years ago. Come on, I need a fresh word from God right now for my life. I need to see God do something powerful in my life today, right now. The last, honestly, the last time that we prayed for 10 days and we did 10 days of prayer and fasting, we found this building. <laughs> and I know I said earlier, go to 8.30, go to 11.30 if you can, whatever, because we need to make room for obviously some more people because it's packed. But at this same time last year, we had about 120, 130 people. The last few weeks, we've had 430 people, okay? It's wild. We need a new space. I know we've only been in here for a year, but God has grown this group and grown this church, and we've seen so many people be saved and so many people getting discipled and growing in their walk with God, whole families coming to find Jesus. It's amazing. And so part of this is... is is me asking God. And the word that I feel like I keep getting is just ask. Like, just ask. Rachel, our youth pastor, she got the same word. Like, just ask. Like, why are you not asking? Why are you, you're, you're worried about not even having enough space. It's a great problem to have. You know, it's great. Worried about not having enough space. And you're just sitting there worrying about it instead of asking me for the solution. And so God convicted my heart and he said, man, you need to ask. So I said, Lord, okay, let's do this. I'm asking God. And there was a day, a few, um, a couple days ago, there was a time of prayer that I had. And there's just been this land that I've been praying over for a long time. And, and uh, God said, just ask, just ask, just ask, and just be bold. And like the whole, I was praying that morning. I had a whole bunch of work I was going to do that day and get some stuff done. And they said, just be bold, Trevor. Come on, like, don't be afraid. Like, be courageous. It's like in Joshua. He's like, don't be afraid. Be courageous. And I was just like, oh, Holy Spirit, I feel you moving. Okay, and you know, so I just, I called up the landowner. I went right around his realtor. <laughs> I was like, I don't even need a realtor. I'm just gonna call him up and say, hey, I just wanna talk to you. See if you'd be willing to work with us. And he said, hey, I love to hear from you. Why, you wanna go get some tacos? And I said, I like this guy already. Come on now, praise God. Went and had some tacos with this dude. We hung out for two hours. He ended up taking me out to the property and we were talking for a while and I find out that he swam across the Rio Grande himself in the 1970s. Ended up going back, coming back legally later, started his business and has a construction business he's had for 40 years now. Dropped it off with his son now, he's retired. And all he does now is go all around the world and tell people about Jesus doing spiritual retreats for people. Isn't that incredible? And, and I believe that the miracle is just on the other side 
of my active waiting. That's what it means to actively wait. Ask, seek, knock, and the door will be flung wide open. Now, I don't have a deal that I could tell you today that we cut this amazing deal. He gave us the land. No, I don't have that today, okay? I don't, I don't have anything like that. But what I do know is that I believe that in the middle of my waiting, in the middle of what God is doing here, he's working and he's moving. And what is that in your life, man? What is that thing for you? That's for us corporately, but what about for you and your family? What are you believing for? What are you asking for? What miracle do you need God to work in your life? Man, let's ask today, right now, that God would do something in this place, that he would start. Maybe you need a healing in your life or somebody in your life that that you're praying for for healing in the name of Jesus. Come on, let's pray for them today. Let's believe that God wants to do something powerful. Maybe you need a job and you need provision. Let's pray for that today. I don't know what the miracle is for you, but I want to ask If we had 140, 120 people in this room today and we all got unified around praying for revival in Hayes County, praying for miracles in our lives in this church and through this church, I believe that God will do it. Amen? Why don't you stand with me today? We're going to sing this song for a moment as we close called Waymaker. And man, I believe that we serve a way-making, miracle-working God that is able to do so much more than you could ever dream up in your own mind. I don't know what God's going to do as far as this building goes, but man, we need a new space. So why don't y'all ask along with me? Come on now. I'm going to ask for healing for you. I'm going to ask for jobs. I'm going to ask for your kids to find and follow Jesus. I'm going to ask for whatever it is that we're praying for, man. Let's lift up our request to God today. So if you need a miracle in your life, in any area, maybe you're suffering with depression, anxiety, you want to be healed from that right now. And if that's what you want to do, or you need prayer for that today, would you just lift your hand? Any, Any of those things, you need a miracle in your life. I just want your hand to go up right now. Come on now. I want to see everywhere across. You need a miracle. Amen, amen, amen. Hey, keep your hand up for just a moment. I want you to look around and see all the people that are believing for a miracle today. And what I want us to do is I want us to be the body of Christ. Remember I said it's not about me. It's not about the pastor. I don't need to pray for you. Y'all pray for yourselves, all right? So what I want you to do for a moment is I want everybody that does not have a hand raised to find somebody with a hand raised. Ask them, what are we praying for? What are we believing for? What miracle do you need in your life? And let's believe that God can do it, amen? Like, let's be the body of Christ. Maybe you're next to somebody that also has their hand up. Man, you get together with that person and say, hey, what are we praying for for you? You pray for me. And let's believe that God's gonna do something. If you need prayer for something specific, we have a prayer team that's down here that wants to pray with you today. But I want you to keep your hands up and grab somebody next to you. When somebody's with you, you can put your hand back down, okay? We're gonna sing this song, but let's lift up our voices today and let's actually lift our voice and pray to God and believe that God's gonna work a miracle. And let's sing this song together as well. Come on, let's believe it today. The promise keeps the light in the darkness. Come on, lift your voice. Find somebody next to you. Let's let's just lift our voice. Let's pray together. Let's believe God for miracles in this place. Don't be shy. You're in the kingdom. You're in the army now. Come on now. Let's pray. God, we worship you. We lift you up. Work miracles in this place today, God.
Come on, let's sing this out. Let's lift our hands all over this place and let's worship Jesus. You never stop. You might not see it, but He's working. You might not feel it. He's working. Come on now. Even when I don't see it, you working. Even when I don't feel it, you working. You never stop. You never stop working. You never stop. You never stop working. Even when I don't see it, you working. you're moving across this place right now and we believe that there are miracles happening in the name of Jesus Christ that there is healing that is entering this room right now for bodies and for minds and for hearts in the name of Jesus there's provision that is coming right now in the name of Jesus there's wholeness and relationships being restored right now in the name of Jesus Holy Spirit would you come would you fill us up and God I pray over the next 10 days whether or not they end up joining me in fasting, but I just pray that God, every single one of these people here today, that as they go home, they would be compelled to pray. They would be compelled to seek and to ask and to knock. And God, that you would fling the door wide open. And Holy Spirit, you would invade their hearts and their lives. That you would fill them with your power and with your authority. That they would live in victory in every area of their life, not living in defeat, but knowing that we serve a God who is greater than the God of this world. The God who lives within me is greater than the God of this world. And so God, right now I pray that you would give us victory right now in the name of Jesus. Freedom in the name of Jesus. Boldness in the name of Jesus. Right now we call on that. We declare that right now, God. We thank you that you're doing it. We thank you, Lord. And God, I pray a blessing over every person here, Lord, that you would give them the hunger and the desire for more of you, to experience the gift of the Holy Spirit. That we wouldn't sit back and sit on our hands, but that we actively wait and we actively pursue you in every area of our lives. And we thank you that you are a God that loves, you're a good God that gives good gifts to your kids. And we thank you, we worship you. Come on, if you love Jesus, would you just put your hands together and give him some praise in this place? God is good, amen. Hey, I want to thank you for being here today. I really do. And I, and I want you to get in community with each other. So I encourage you, please, sign up for our welcome party if you're new. Uh, fill out that connect card. And if you're ready to hop in a group and get this is a great time to be new. It's a great time to be here. Get in a group, go to radicalchurch.life slash groups and see what God can do through you when you get in community with other Christ followers, amen? Hey, God bless you guys. We'll see you next week. We love you.